0: Tano, mikol and then it says romantano mikol Halashonot. Now, what does that mean, if anything? What does it mean romantano? You raised us up, mikol Halashonot, from all the languages that might be used. So, of course, uh, I mean, if uh, if you had to say something, you would probably say that it has to do with. Uh, it has to do with um, Hebrew versus other languages. Okay, we're going to be disturbed now. We have a disturbance. Rabbi Rabbi Sylvester came at an early disturbance. <laughs> <laughs> All right, here's Rabbi Wolf. Rabbi Walk, how are you? I've not seen you in many years. It's very hard for me to avoid taking note of the fact that you're here. So in spite of the fact that you're a disturbance, I can't help it. (laughs) Anyway, it's nice that uh, Rabbi Walk and his wife just made aliyah, I think. Did I say something inaccurate? That's what I heard. I heard that it's Aliyah. So it's great. So this is like the old time. We're now in old time, but of different generations. Prehistory. prehistory. Yeah. Well, no, no one. It's all history. There is no prehistory. And uh, Rabbi Sylvester organized this, so thank you very much. So you're in charge of the disturbance. <laughs> <laughs> so again, <laughs> is the of and the of says something about language. So everybody would say that that's Hebrew. That's what we speak. We speak Hebrew or we I mean, it's silly for me to speak in English and say we speak Hebrew, but you know what I mean, right? We're just corrupt. We are corrupt, but uh, Rabban Tannu called Shonot refers to as Rashi says Lashon Hakodesh Lashon ha-kodesh, hakodesh we all think is uh, is Hebrew writ or the Hebrew of the Bible let's say that the Hebrew the Hebrew of the Bible now in the Torah itself in the Parasha of Noah there is a description of how the Shonot came to be how is it that there are many languages in the world and not just one language in the world because if God created uh, Adam and then Chava in some way, right, a very small number of people and they became a large number of people how come, how come they speak different languages? So the explanation of the Torah is something that you all know but it's, it's it's interesting now modern scholarship or modern academic work might have a different way of looking at it. But that, that, that's not important to us. We're just interested in what the Torah's message is, what the Torah is trying to... And we're not going to argue the case whether the Torah has a better explanation than somebody else. We're just going to try to understand what the Torah wants to tell us. So in these psukim, let's just look at the Psukim, call Safa this is important. Right? All of the world spoke one language, Safa achat. Rashi says of course, Safa achat, Lashon Kodesh. Safa achat is Lashon Kodesh everybody spoke Hebrew. Now there are many proofs of 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 that. Uh, the fact that when God created the world, he created the world in Hebrew or right. or. That's what the pasuk says. The pasuk says that the world was created in Hebrew. Of course, the Kabbalists make much of this, but even non-Kabbalists, even our kabbalists seem to agree. I mean, you look at the at the various commentaries that the world was created and that's lashon hakodesh. Lashon hakodesh is the language that God spoke. Further. In the, uh, in the Torah, in the s- discussions that take place between HaKadosh Baruch and Chaim Vehevel, for example. HaKadosh right? Baruch and Adam and Chava, right? And all the in- explanations about how the world came to be, all of that is done in Ivrit. So the story says Vayihi, right? Vayihi means that it came to pass, like a new story. Vayihi. Haaretz Udvarim achadim. What is udvarim achadim? Lo yedel. achadim means they they spoke about things. They spoke to each other in this language about things. Rashi says udvarim achadim ba'u beitzah achad vanru lo kol eta elyonim. It's not. Uh, this is a theme that exists in Chazal and which Rashi. Uh, uh carries through which is that the creation of the world produced a kind of competition between heaven and earth and you can uh, uh think about that in you know different ways like who is competing was it angels was it it's not so obvious but this theme which also comes to the chumash itself right you know that they were in the philip these people who came down from heaven and, and, and struck up an acquaintance with the women in the world, that, that, indi- that indicates that there was some kind of a unsavory connection between heaven and earth. Not only a savory one, but an unsavory one that had to be, that had to be somehow resolved. That, this, that, that part of the creation of the world was that uh, the way Chazal understood it? Was that it created tension, and that tension had to be resolved? But the high point of that tension was this story—the story that we are that we are learning. Rashi, uh, the and The people all got together, and they said, "Let's let's declare war on heaven." דבר Echher al יחידו Olam al Yichido Yichid is the word, the Hebrew word Echad. Echad refers to Hakadosh right? Hakadosh is the Echad Sheba Olam. Olam. Amru Achad in other words, people looked around and they said there was a Mabul. And you know, there's, there's, there's this discussion amongst the medieval philosophers about whether God can change God's mind. Right? It's like a, like a discussion, you know, like if you have really not very much to do, you could think about that. But but uh, what what is the what is the point? Of course you know that the Rambam, for example, got into some difficulty because he did not originally, in his when he wrote the Mishneh Torah, he did not give a proper place or a reasonable place to the notion of So the Rambam was accused by various it, which is a separate story that we don't usually hear about the tension between the Babylonian Gaonim and the leaders of, of Am Yisrael in North Africa and Spain, uh, there was a certain kind of tension between them. So they decided to uh, popularize this idea that the Rahman was not, did not uh, support the notion of Tchiat was the, 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 So there was like a little bit of a fight and then the Ravman was forced to write a book, I mean a pamphlet, Called Maamar Al in which he said, "Of course, I believe in Triatamitim. It's not a, you know, it's not an, an issue. So, of course, of course, you know, the Rambam did believe that Hakadosh Baruch could do anything. So, if God could do anything, I mean, he could do Triatamitim. What the Rambam's problem must have been, I mean, this is like speculation that there was no indication." in the primary text or material that that was what was going to happen. So the Rambam may have left it out for that reason. I confess that I did not discuss this with the Rambam, and I may be dead wrong, but uh, you have to say something, right? That's what teachers do. They say something, even if they might be dead wrong. He left it out of what? What? The Rambam left it out of what? Out of the Mishnah Torah and also his Perish on the Mishnah, right? The Perish on the Mishnah of the Rambam was the Rambam's original attempt to include Kol Torah Kula in a way, right? That was his idea that you could get everything, but, but he, he felt apparently that he was not really able to do it with the Perish on the Mishnah, and then he wrote the, what we call uh, the Mishneh Torah, or the Yad HaChazakah, and there he left it out, even though the first part of the Mishnah Torah is philosophical and ideological, he nevertheless it uh, wasn't there. In, in the Perishad of Mishnah, eh, in the end of Sanhedrin, there's a certain place where the Rambam wrote L- long introductions. It is Perishad the Mishnah where he tried to include philosophical uh, positions. So in any event, here Rashi he says... I'm, I'm, uh, so, oh, and now I'm back to where we started out from. So there was this question. There was this question, like, if God, once he decides, I say he, I, I don't mean that, once God decides to do something, will he undecide to do it? And so there's an opinion that says that, no, that, you know, that whatever God decides, that's what that's what remains, right? That's the argument of the of the seven nations in the first rashi on the torah the seven nations they come and they say god put us here so if god put us here you the israel coming you know to fight against us you must be acting against god this was a uh, this was an argument which interestingly enough is continued today in the palestinian israeli discussions about reality Right? What is the reality of, uh, of Eretz Yisrael? I don't want to get into that because I'll say things that nobody likes. So I won't say it. But HaKadosh uh, Baruch Hu, Baruch Hu created, created the world. So the assumption is that maybe the way the world was created was the way it has to be. Now the story of the Mabul, which is the first part of the parish of Noah, the story of the Mabul is the undoing of creation. In other words, if tovavo comes before creation, and "tovavo might mean I'm going to give you uh, my interpretation, or a possible interpretation of the words Tovavo, that that uh, there's no distinctions. right? Part of what happened in creation was the, the water was here and the dry land was here. But right before oh, there was day and there was night, there were distinctions that were created uh, that, that were created from the Tohu Baon. There was tohu Babo, and then there were distinctions. Now what happened in the Mabul? What happened in the Mabul? They were, everything was covered up with water. right? Ruhephet, AlPim. Again, that first pasuk of the Torah. We went back to pre-creation. Uh, uh, Noach Noach equals Adam HaRishon Right? Noach equals Adam HaRishon The first mitzvah Or the first pseudo-mitzvah Depending on how you understand it That Adam HaRishon received Was pru or avu, Right? Maybe it's a mitzvah Maybe it's not a mitzvah But it's a directive of some sort The first directive that uh, That Doach received Again Was pru or avu the life of Adam HaRishon started, really started when he got kicked out of Gan Eden and had to go into agricultural work, so to speak. Noach understood immediately that he's got to get out there and work and grow something. I mean, that became his undoing as well so that you see, one could say that the story of Noah is the destruction of the created world and the uh, uh, rebuilding of the creative world where at first there was Adam Rishon and Chava, etc, etc now it became Noach Noach was the father if this interpretation is correct it's also interesting that the world that the world doesn't start from Noach it starts from Avram Avinu but that's for next week See, uh, so the, the Rashi says <laughs> the third interpretation In other words, they said, it can't be that God changed God's mind, or God created a world which was just not appropriate. That can't be. But what must be is that when God decided to create the world, it it was a two-step process. It was as though God said, I'm going to create the world, you know uh, trying to be respectful God said I will create the world but it will take two steps to create the world that was l'chadchila so the people came to the conclusion the people came to the conclusion every 1,600 some odd years this is going to happen again because that's what it means to say that what we mean to say that God land on this. God planned on this. So I want to just, I wanna just uh, this number, I, I, have, I, I don't have the patience for this, but here I have the Art Scroll Rashi. Did you ever see the Art Scroll Rashi? It happens to be very good, as far as I can tell. As much as I would like to be uh, negative about Art Scroll, I can't. <laughs> this one is very good. This one, they have the Rashi, and then the Rashi translated into English. There are several uh, uh, attempts at uh, producing Rashi translated into English, and they all copy from each other. And in spite of that fact, that this is very good. This is very good. Now why did I bring it? Why did I bring it here? I brought it. I brought it because here in the footnote, here in the footnote it tells you how it gets to that number 1,600 and something or other which I don't have the patience for but I want to read it to you Adam was 130 years old when Seth was born you, un- you understand they're going to figure out the number of years by the, by the generations and the, the, so, so Adam was whatever it was and then Seth and then Enosh and then Canaan and if you go through all of, these, all of these people, Noah was 600 years old at the time of the flood. Thus, you have to be careful with people use that word. That's, a, you know, like, I'm about to say something of great importance. So what they say is, thus, there was a total of 1,656 years of creation to the flood. And then it's says, see chronology on page 114, which is exactly the same thing. Here, is. 114, 10, 12, 14. It's it's exactly the same thing. But but ah, you see, isn't that better? <laughs> so so if you want to take the trouble to learn this, it will take you at least at least the same amount of time as it you to read the paragraph. But, but if you're into pictures, here's the picture of the 1,600 years. So that's what Rashi is referring to. Rashi is referring to the 1,000. Now, you know that Rashi, Rashi did have a sense of history and was interested in organizing the history of things. So he quotes this. And he says, Every 1,600 years, the roof of the world will kind of come apart what an idea like let's go and build something, we'll prop it up somehow, we'll prop up the uh, you can see three davarachers is not common in Rashi right? Uh, Two, okay. Uh, Three is rare. But Rashi, uh, so you could say, you could say that there's something here that Rashi is, like, finds difficult. Rashi finds difficult the idea that man, after all, man at the time of, uh, at this time, was somewhat similar to man that we know, slash woman, right? There's got to be some... Can't be totally. So how could they come up with such a stupid idea? That you know, not today well, nobody would do a thing like that. But how did they do it? So Rashi he says, look, you know, Chazal they also had difficulty pinpointing what exactly is going on. But there is something. There is something going on, and it has to do with what we said originally, which was that there's this tension between heaven and earth, tension in heaven and earth, that tension between heaven and earth is culminated, according to the Gemara, at the time of Matan Torah, at the time of Matan Torah, says to the angels or the heavenly hosts, okay, it's time for Matan Torah, it's a Gemara and Shabbat, the, it's time for Matan Torah, so the heavenly hosts, such as they are, they say, what? You give it to these blackguards, these good-for-nothings. They're not going to be able to do it. They won't keep it. Give it to us. Give it to us, and we will we'll take care of it. Uh, so you see that in the, the way Chazal... So, uh, okay, so the, there's a theme that, uh, in the Chazal that before Matan Torah, the Jews at Har Sinai had to be purified that the whole process of Yitzhiat Mitzrayim had to also be a process of purification to enable them to be worthy of uh, Matan Torah. But this idea that there is some kind of a um, tension that exists between heaven and earth, which in later texts is described in a slightly different way, like we want to be with heaven, not against heaven. We want to know how. How Moshe Rabbeinu, uh, uh, we want to be like Moshe Rabbeinu, right? You know that Hasidut, hasidut the leadership of the uh, uh, of the nation is always called Moshe, right? He's always there in every generation. Every generation is a Moshe. Though there's somebody who can actually touch God. And if you hang on to the coattails of that Sadiq, of that righteous person who can... Touch God, actually, or be—if not face to face with God, but like God said to Moshe Rabbeinu, "At you'll see my back, but you won't see my front." Which obviously, you know, begs for a for a, a metaphoric interpretation. Nevertheless, nevertheless, this idea that you can, right? You know, it's called in uh, in religious studies, like uh, you know, this idea of unity of becoming with God, close to God, feeling God, right? The reason that people go to Uman on on Rosh Hashanah is because they don't feel that way by going to Shul, right? Well, you know, some things you just can't straighten out. So now, Pasuk Bet. Here we are, Pasuk Bet. Kedem is a word in Hebrew which usually often means to the east. Ben HaSami Kedem. They went from one place, and they found a, a valley, a big like a valley, a valley. In the land of Shinar, which is Babylonia, so they all got together, and they went to a new place. They went to a new place. Why they go to a new place? I, I, don't, I don't know, but Rashi says, Okay, the says, I think the same thing in different words. So they went to, they went to wherever they went to. It's not so obvious why the Torah had to tell us all of this. If you want to build a migdal, you have to build it out of stones or, or, or bricks. And this is how you make the stones. This is how you make uh, the stones, etc. Pasuk Dalet. Vayomru, uh, Vayomru. So now it's not clear whether this is a new thing or the same old thing. So is a new the is a the the way So now it's not clear whether not know. And we will not it won't be able to eradicate us. Won't be, we'll have a shame. A shame is a name. A name is a higher level of existence. Everybody knows, everybody knows that, uh, that Adam Harishon was charged with naming the animals. And naming the animals meant that you had the animals had existence. Each animal, right, was part of the creation when it received a name. Adam received the name Adam. And Chava received another name, and the children received names. Names were very important. They were comparable to, to existence. It wasn't that you know they were created, but they might have disappeared. They might just have disappeared.. Okay, I don't know if we have to read these uh, this rashi. I just want to go to Pasuke.. Hashem yeah, yeah, you know, it's, it's a word that's under contention, right? When you say God went down, that means that, that God is discernible in some way, right? You can't say that God is everywhere and God went down. Unless you create a, a metaphor and you say, well, God went down means that suddenly you became aware of God in a certain place. It doesn't mean go down. But you know that this word appears several times in the Torah and it was the subject of uh, interest for many uh, uh, commentaries, including the Rambam. So it says, So they did what they did, these people. They built a city and they built a migdal. And the Roshua, it was all in, in heaven. Right? They saw the ear and they saw the migdal ha'shem amechad safa they each have their one nation their safa achad. all of these people what is the safa what is the safa achad? am echad safa echad rashi kotov azu yeshimah echam echad hayim be safa echad lekolam vedavar zeh kaylu la'asot that they started to do, that's what the Pasuk said. They'll be able to do whatever they wanted to do. Pasuk Zion. You see Rashi Hava Nerda? Be'vayti no nimlach. Me avono me'nivatu no vetanuto yete which means nase adam kbit salmeinu right? That's what it says. Nase. So of course everybody says, what's nase? Why is it a plural? God made the world, God made Adam. Are alone as far as we imagine? So Nase Adam It Salmenu Kidmutenu Rashi says this is humility what does that mean what does that mean (laughs) it doesn't mean god is humble it means that god invented humility and who was humility invented for us it was in in other words not only did god create man but god immediately Gave man the opportunity to be the superior person. What makes him superior? Anavah, humility. Humility is what makes man superior. How am I so sure about that? Because Moshe Rabbeinu, Moshe Rabbeinu, when well, Hakadosh had to write the tombstone for Moshe Rabbeinu, that's what. That was the tomb. Anav mikol adam. He had the greatest amount of humility. And what did the humility stem from? Why was Moshe Rabbeinu so humble? Because uh, there wasn't anything left in it. Once you are with God, you don't really want the car. You know, it's like, it, doesn't, it just doesn't go. So there's nothing, there's no honor that people give each other that they could have given to Moshe Rabbeinu. And therefore, what we perceive is humility. One second. You have to forgive me. I can't see. The question that I have is on the word anaba. Is humility a good translation? Is there a good translation for anaba or is it more encompassing than what we know as humility? Look, I'll I'll tell you the truth. If I was over there and you were over here, I would ask the same question. But since I'm over here and you're over there, I'm going to ignore it. <laughs> the, the whole idea of good translation is what we end up talking about. Okay, I mean, what I mean is I don't know the answer. Uh, so, in any event, in any event, that's that's anava and uh so Rashi says here that this is shel This is humility. I mean, I I can't help myself. You know, this is the humility of hakadosh baruch hu that there's a plural, right? we will svatam asher lo But as we said previously, right, that this is the creation story. Right, the the of Noach is the story of creation, the recreation of man. His name was Noah. He had mitzvot or directives, he had children, he had problems, but he had a promise, right, which this Rashi seems to ignore, that the world will will remain as it is. Like there won't be a major a major difficulty in the world. So that's what Rashi says. Hava Rashi, mida mida. Deva Okay, mida usually it means an action. An action for an action. But there is this idea. There is this idea in Parashanut that when you see the same word appearing in two places and they seem to be connected to each other, you know, Chazal would know, notice that. Zayrashava is a little different. It's a little different because the Gzera <coughs> Shabbat doesn't really have to have any sense. You know, it doesn't have to make sense in its own right, right? But it—it's just the tradition of understanding. But uh, all right, the, so so then uh, Pasuk Chet says, "I'm sorry." Pasuk says, Havan Svatam ish." a very interesting punishment that they receive for. but it's not just a punishment it's not just a punishment it apparently will prevent this from happening again because what was the cause of all of this that they got together that they were able to talk to each other that they are able to, to come to some sort of plan and what about what to do now if they can't speak to each other so that is obviated it's not going to happen so there's besides there's also they became the speakers of different languages that's why that place where these languages came into being is called Bavel, Balal, Bilbel. I mean, it's like, okay, you could make some kind of a connection like that. you understand, you understand what I'm saying? Like Bavel is not Balal. Bavel is Bet, Bet, Lamed, and Balal is Bet, Lamed, Lamed. So why would Chazal think it's the same? Or why would the Torah think it's the same? Because, because there, there, are, there is in Hebrew this idea of four-letter roots. Very often four-letter roots are two letters repeating each other. Like onomatopoeia. Like tziftef. Tziftef is what birds do. Right? Bilbel is what God did here, Bilbel and very often these words that are essentially four letters one of the letters gets swallowed up Uh, especially if they are Bachlam Bet-Kaf-Lamed-Mem often disappear in various Nitiyot of the of the words so that Bilbel could become Bavel you, you are you with me? <laughs> I was getting nervous when I talk about grammar. It's kind of a turnoff, right? But that's that's the way it is. If you would like look into the matter, you would find that these these four-letter re- repeating uh, roots uh, often become three-letter roots in <coughs> different forms. And those three-letter roots uh, are, are what we have here, right? Bavel, because balal. Right? Which looks like two different words, but it could be that they are the same. Okay, so we see that that's what happened. Now, let's go to a different world. And that's the world of the halakha. You see the next source, Shulchan Aruch? that's the halacha it's based on the Gemara and Sotah right you could you, you could daven you know if you have that art scroll sitter now I could say Korayn sitter or I remember when uh, when I started when the yeshiva started everybody had Tehillat in, Hashem in English right and art scroll beat them I'm not sure why but they did. Arts scroll is three times as fat as tilat Hashem was. I think. So I would think that tilat Hashem would win on just being easy to carry around. But no, arts Gold won. So there is this odd uh, uh, statement in the Shulchan that you can doubt mechol That's not odd, but then the Shulchan makes a distinction between sibur and yachid. Sibur means you're in shul with a minion, and yachid means you're alone, right? So, sibur, as long as you are bet sibur, you could dab mechol hashem. Could mechol bi yachid lo yit palem el the Yeshomrim, you know, the Shulchan very often quotes things in the Yeshomrim. It's a little mysterious why he does that. This is the, the Mechaber, Rav Yosef Karo. Uh, why do you say Yeshomrim? What do you mean? That it's, I should take it seriously or I shouldn't take it seriously? I mean, Yeshomrim sounds like it's not the essential halachic position, but it's like if you're interested in being in frum, you could do that. At least that's in modern tshuvot, like uh, uh, that's a kind of an attitude that is assumed. Uh, Rabbi Moshe Feinstein and uh, uh, some post in Eretz Yisrael, you know, would, would do that. They would say, this is the halacha, but if you want to really be from, do this. Add, do this, add on. So it's not clear in the shulchanor, not clear to me. Uh, maybe it is clear to somebody else. But he said, he said this distinction between Yachid and Sibur is only for uh, for special kinds of kinds of uh, tfilot. Uh, tfilot about a particular issue, something that comes up, a chole, how I should say is to be tell what's kind of difficulty that he has in his family about tilaha qualat sibur affiliated you could call but what we call tilaha which is bona as whether you say it be sibur or be yakhid you could say it you could say it be which brings me back more to the position of the gemar so the gemara says the gemar says that you could have no so of course the question is, what's the issue? What, what exactly is the issue of davening? Why was the Gemara, why did the Gemara have to say anything? Why, why did well, Of course, you could daven Kol HaShem. After all, after all, the Tanakh is full of people who davened, and they davened about whatever happened to come up. And it's true that they davened in Hebrew. But it's also true that they didn't know Spanish or Arabic or English or anything else, but they just spoke the words that they knew. And so why would anybody think that you should not speak the words that you know? That you should not speak the words that you know in uh, 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 whenever you have to doubt it. You never have to doubt it. So let's look quickly. Uh, uh, look at the Mishta the Brewer. Maybe remember. Oh, here it is. Here, yeah, the Mr. the Mishtabruh. You know, the Mishnahbrew wrote three perushim, which we call we call it the Mishnahbrew, but he called one of them the Mishnahbrew. The Mishnahbrew was the 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 interpretation or further interpretation of the Shulchan Aruch. In other words, he read the Shulchan Aruch and he said, oh, "You have to know this. You have to know that. You have to, you know, that, that's how the Mishnahbrew works." That's that's called Mishnah Now listen, he says, "Mitzvah mina muvcharu dafka ha haKodesh." Mitzvah mina muvchar. Mitzvah nevka. I don't know exactly what that is, but I mean, it, it, certainly it means that if you have a choice, if you can it either in Hebrew or in, we'll say English, right? You should definitely it in Hebrew. Mitzvah mina muvchar. Right? if you don't know Hebrew and you can't read Hebrew so of course you have no choice you have know, to it in English but if you have a choice and you can it either in Hebrew or in English and if you say to yourself look the English speaks to me you know people say that sometimes I never know what they mean but it speaks to me I know the words mean I feel good about them I would rather it in English no good the Mishnah Baruch says should you should it in Hebrew I know now that Sam Sof is not one of the Mishnah Brewer's great heroes. I mean, the Mishnah Brewer has a, has a kind of, there's a list of people that he quotes all the time the Chassam Sofa is not one of them but here he quotes the Chassam Sofa I'm not, I'm not evaluating anything. I'm not saying. I'm not telling you what the Mishnah Brewer thought about the Chassam Sofa I'm just saying that the Mishnah Brewer is not commonly does not commonly quote Chassam Sofa but here he says he says he says when are you allowed to daven in English? only when it's uh, something happened accidentally or, or in a timeless fashion, so, so it's great. The Gemara says you can dive in bekol The says the Gemara doesn't mean that. It's it's like a fallback position but doesn't mean that you can go to school and talk in uh, uh in English or that see book in English you can't do that if shabishum strong language it's impossible ayen shamba od machmat kama kama ta'amim lekhulkhim ayikhulkhu gal ne azman with save the rare breed we skimushi sugamula so etiku, Vavera, Loyot, so you see, you see the way they were reformed. The reform movement existed at the time of the Mishnah Mishnah Brewer. And you know that even though the Mishnah Brewer, even though everybody knows, or you should know, that the Mishnah Brewer was not interested in fights, he was only interested in winning. Right? The Chsam Sofa, on the other hand, was very interested in fighting. And he was very strongly opposed to any kind of reform. That uh, that took place, and, and originally the reform was was very minor. The neologians in uh, in Western Europe, right Germany, Hungary, a few other places, the, the, they were not they they didn't want to change everything, but one of the first things they wanted to do was to speak to the people in the vernacular, so that. They changed the drashot, the language of the drashot was changed into German or Hungarian and uh, and uh, the opposition went wild, it wasn't even dabbling; it doesn't do it dabbling. and then little by little the reform, I mean this is a description of what happened, the reform became uh, 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 very much uh, uh, into this idea that instead of educating your children you just, Translated everything into Hungarian or German, and and you went went along that that path. Interestingly, the Mishnah says, right? The Mishnah says, "Kain rotsim la shkiach la shonah kodesh bi yisrael pein yigaloh b'shut shaloshinu et la shonam akodesh bohu yishberenu mideyota bikosiyot keelu." So he says, he, the verse says, you know why? Or oh, he's quoting this himself. He says, why is it that they did this? Why is it that they spoke to the people in the vernacular instead of teaching them Hebrew? So he says, well, they knew that Hebrew will redeem the nation and bring us back to Eretz Israel, And they didn't want that. They didn't want the Jews to come back to Eretz Israel. They wanted them to be wherever they wherever they are. So, what would the Mishnah Bro the Chazam say when today a Hebrew uh, became much more important because of Eretz Israel? I mean, no, no uh, Orthodox Jew would suggest that you should not teach children Hebrew. I mean, at least I've never heard of such a such a thing, because the Mishnah Burr says that's the path, that's the path path to uh, to uh, redemption. There's one other source here, one other source. I'll turn the page. There's a lot of Orthodox Jews that prefer Yiddish for everything. The lot of Orthodox Jews for Yiddish, till even today for Not Davening. No, in, in all learning and everything, you know. It's like everything, us. Everything except for... It's the, like you know. us speaking English. Yeah. We know we're doing the wrong thing. <laughs> and that, you know, that our children and grandchildren will do the right thing. <laughs> so, so here, the Be'er Halacha, the Be'er Halacha is uh, another commentary of the Mishnah Brura which discusses what he sees are issues connected to what he just explained to us. Let's just show you that he says, I am the Mishtebrouh because <laughs> of the blog of Avraham b'shem ha-sefer chassidim. Sefer chassidim is a medieval, interesting medieval work. Uh, I can't discuss it now. The mutav palel belashon <laughs> she mevin em aino mevin lo shalakodesh u muhach b'sefa chassidim simon kach b'kach Hainu davka so again, the Mishnah says, based on the Sefer Chassidim, that uh, the, the measure, if you know Hebrew, if you can read Hebrew and you know English and, and you could say to yourself, I have more kavona, davening in English, so you should daven in English. But that's the measure. That's the measure of it. The Savior couldn't even imagine a Jew who didn't know how to read Hebrew. He says, uh, so again it says, That Hebrew is something special. okay so in other words in other words the, the continuation of the be'ah is a justification of the idea that hebrew is a uh, is the right language to daven in. it. You should daven in Hebrew. But the justification, the justification comes from these kind of facts God created. The world in Hebrew, God spoke to people in Hebrew, God spoke to prophecy, He created pro- prophecy in Hebrew, all of that, all of that. And so you could say that call mekol Show note. mekol Shonot is like de facto, we're the only ones left with Hebrew. And while it's true that everybody can daven, Everybody can daven in the language that they uh, uh, that they speak, but you can't. People cannot daven. People, uh, I'm sorry. People only Jews can daven in Hebrew, and it's clear, de facto, sort of, that Hebrew is the best option. That's what the Beis Halacha says, and he says it elsewhere. He quotes himself again in uh, in Sabbath daven. Now. I wanted to I wanted to tell you what the what the uh, svata met says. The svata that I'm referring to is uh, is in the beginning of Dvarim. Unfortunately, only the beginning of it was. I guess it was my fault. My directive was unclear. But it's not this paragraph that I was interested in, but the paragraph that follows it. And in the paragraph that follows it, he says he says that. Hebrew is something that enables a certain kind of communication even today. So that your Imam Tanami Kala the Shonot, the Satamet says, I'm not going to remember. Moshe may talk to Kuruj Bokhu says, I can't speak. I'm not good at that. That's not me. I'm, 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 I'm impaired somehow, that's Moshe Rabbeinu says. So he says, Hello, Diber, Mashemit, Barak, Hamaz. So it's ridiculous, he says. Here's Moshe Rabbeinu speaking to God, and he says, I can't speak. I'm not a speaker. What do you mean you're not a speaker? For the last, last 3,000 years, every Jew would have liked to be in that position, speaking to God. And here's Moshe Rabbeinu, he's like a shepherd, he's walking around. I mean, maybe he has certain kind of special qualities, but, but we don't know. uh, uh Moshe Rabbeinu he meets up with God at the everybody He meets, meets God. And God says to him, take off your shoes, come close. He says, this is the, this is the real thing. And Moshe Rabbeinu knew that it was the real thing. And what does he say to God? He says to God, I can't, I'm, I'm not a speaker, I'm not a talker, you know. I mean, it doesn't mean anything. This whole conversation is meaning to the Swatemet says, "Listen. He says, So he says, this is what he says. Is it for me? No one ever calls me. What no, I said that first. <laughs> 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 now listen. Moshe Abeno, Moshe enters the garden and Godman says, "Okay, I am a Hebrew speaker. I have an advantage because I speak Lashon HaKodesh. So when HaKodesh Akad, when Boker appears to me, I can connect to that. But now you want me to go to Paro. This is the Sfat meant, I'm telling you. I mean, you could look it up, of course." You have to subtract my thea- theatrics. <laughs> but then you'll get what, the, what it says. And the Svater says that what Moshe Rabbeinu was saying to HaKodesh Baruch was, in Hebrew, Zeholech. But in Egyptian, it's never going to go. How am I going to speak to them? What am I going to say? I can't speak to them in Hebrew. They don't understand Hebrew. I can't share with them the experience because the experience is dependent on the language. It's dependent on what we on the language that we speak to each other. So how can I go and say I represent God in Egyptian? It's definitely not going to work. They're not going to work. In which case, according to the spot met, the question of what so what's God's response? What's God's response? It's more like 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 Moshe gonna listen. Of course they're not going to listen. Of course, Pharaoh is not going to listen. Of course, he's not going to understand. Of course, he's—you know—that's what—that's what idolatry is. Idolatry is that there's a limit. that, that it doesn't matter how much Pharaoh will be punished. It doesn't matter how difficult it is for the Egyptians. Eventually, they think the power that is causing all of this trouble will run out of steam. They can't understand that you've really connected to the ultimate power. But that's what we've got. that's called Yitziat B'tziv. It's partially for the Egyptians and partially for the, for the Jews. But Rav M'atanu, we say Rav M'atanu, we call out the shenot. What we say in we We say Rav M'atanu, we call out the shenot. We mean we understand the potential. We understand what might be, and that's what a Hafda O'tanu means. Hafda O'tanu, Davah Chaytan, we call out Mima Hafda O'sanu, Ratzis Habanu. What does a hapto sada ritzisobodo mean? It means there's an opportunity. It could happen. Right? It could be. It could be that there will really be some kind of a, of, a, of a connection that we don't even imagine could take place, but that's only if you are daven in Hebrew. Only if you daven in Hebrew. So, so, the, so the halacha is, yes, okay, if you, you know, there's an obligation to daven, uh, men daven this number of times a day, and women should also daven uh, uh, at least twice a day. At least twice a day. But, but uh, we daven, we daven, we could daven to fulfill the obligation of daven. You could daven in any, any language, any language that you know well. And you could even have a ta'ana. You could say, you know, this is helpful for kabana this is helpful for, for my, my intense connection to uh, to, to the mitzvah. To the mitzvah, but if you really want to leverage the mitzvah of tefillah into something that is Romantano mikol al shonot, you have to daven. You have to daven in Hebrew. That's the halacha conclusion, and also the reasonable, the reasonable position as far as I uh, understand it. Have a good shabbos.